Welcome to the Talent Development Think Tank Podcast. The number one podcast for learning and talent development professionals. Now here's your host, Andy Storch. Welcome to the Talent Development Think Tank Podcast. I am your host, Andy Storch, and I'm excited that you are joining me today for another great episode and conversation to help you up your game and improve your capabilities in the world of talent development. And today, our conversation and our episode is all about leadership development and what it takes to be a great leader in today's modern working world. This is something that I know is on the minds of lots of talent development professionals, as I have tons of conversations on a regular basis, and almost everybody seems to be working on a new leadership development program or trying to find ways to better develop their leaders or create better leaders. And so I knew it would be a good time to have a conversation and have an episode about this topic. And I've got a great guest for you. And I want to mention before we get started that our guest today is a longtime member of the Talent Development Think Tank membership community, a community that I started in 2020 to help people in the talent development world stay connected, learn the latest trends, grow together, and really build a network of people that can support each other in improving their capabilities and achieving more success in talent development. You can find more information about our community on our website, talentdevelopmentthinktank.com, and just click on community. And now to our guest today, Travis Dahmert is an industry veteran with 25 years of experience and a wealth of knowledge in the space. Currently, Travis serves as Senior Vice President of Talent at One Digital, where he supports sustained growth by attracting top talent and promoting the development of One Digital's team of workplace strategists. With a strong passion for people, Travis began his career in the consulting industry, transitioning into the talent industry in 2003. He previously served as SVP of Learning and Development at Jackson Healthcare, the nation's third largest healthcare staffing and technology company. During his leadership, his organizations have received numerous accolades for their workplace culture, including Top 100 Best Places to Work by Glassdoor, Best Place to Work for Women, and Best Place to Work for Millennials by Fortune Magazine, as well as the number one best place to work and number one healthiest employer by Atlanta Business Chronicle. Dahmert also spent years studying elite athletes and soldiers for insights into habit development, goal achievement, and the creation of high-performing, high-accountability teams. He speaks locally and nationally about employee engagement, talent selection, and the development of high-performing teams, and he has been featured as a subject matter expert on employee engagement by the Josh Burson Academy. I thought I'd mention, with regards to Travis's speaking engagements, I know he speaks a lot in other conferences and organizations, as well as within his own organization. I mentioned that Travis has been a longtime member of the Talent Development Think Tank community. He's also been a guest on this podcast in the past. And I can tell you that every time he leads a session for us in the community, or he even contributes to a session that's going on that someone else is leading, people are always paying attention and appreciate his insights and are sometimes blown away by some of the things he says. He's just a profound speaker and someone who brings a lot of value to every conversation that he has Travis is also a husband and a father of five kids, a former endurance athlete once named among Atlanta's top 10 amateur athletes on the coattails of his record-setting wife, Lisa, and he has degrees from Northwestern University and Emory University. Travis has a passion for helping business leaders and their teams align their work to the purpose and approach every day as an opportunity to grow and positively impact the lives of others. And I have had the pleasure of knowing Travis now for over three years I first got to know Travis when I interviewed him back in 
2019 for our first podcast episode, which aired on the podcast in January of 2020. That was episode 142. He's also led several sessions in the Talent Development Think Tank membership community, which he joined very early on. And we aired one of those as an episode episode 334 on turning leaders into talent magnets, which came out in August of 2022. So this is the third time we'll have him on the podcast. Travis is also one of the few people who has come to both of our conferences, the first one back in January of 2020, and the next one was earlier this year in February of 2023. Travis is someone that I admire and always love learning from, and I'm excited that you get to learn from him today. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Travis Dahmert about developing leaders to build a people-first, high-performance culture. Enjoy. All right. I'm joined now by Travis Dahmert, who is MD of Talent at One Digital. Travis, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Andy. Always good to be with you. Yeah. Or I should say, welcome back to the podcast. Your second time on. First time was a few years ago. And I remember that conversation pretty well, more than most, because of the work you were doing at the time with your last company on helping people, employees in the organization really discover their purpose and connect that to the organizational purpose, which, you know, still to this day, I really have not heard of too many people doing that type of work in the corporate world. It's something that is so important yet often missing. And it's something I know you're often thinking about is this connection between individuals and the work they're doing and the greater mission or purpose of the organization and, and do those things connect. Right. Yeah. And and they don't have to, you know, people can have their own reason and it doesn't have to come to work with them. But what a great opportunity that does. You know, we just spend so much time at work. Um, why not? It, you know, and then what happens is people become more resilient. They start to bring more discretionary effort. Engagement goes up. I mean, there's tons of there's tons of benefit to the company. Mm-hmm. If they focus on what benefits the person, and, and there are just so many people that are are burning out, that are fried, that don't have a compelling why. And you know, I know you do that with with your work, Andy, and with your book. Yeah. You know, it's like helping people really take ownership for what's important to them and how do they live that out. Why not do that where you spend your time every day? I remember we had a session inside the the think tank community a couple of years ago. It might have been during 2020, where we we were talking about burnout and what's causing that for a lot of people and, and mental health in the workplace. We had an expert on and I'm I'm blanking on her name right now. It'll come back to me. And one of the comments that came up, it might've been from her about a big driver of burnout is when you're doing a lot of work, but it's not connected to any type of purpose, right? You don't feel excited about it. And I feel like I remember you commenting on about that on that session. You correct me if I'm wrong. Whereas if people feel really connected to a purpose, even if they're working a ton of hours, they don't tend to burn out as much because they're excited about what they're doing. That's right. And I, I, it may be something you remember. It's something I often think about was reading a study that said, is working too much hurting your kids? Hmm. And that was really interesting too, because I, I, I've kind of had a tendency to work a lot, consulting in my earlier career and then, and then being an entrepreneur and then being in leadership roles. And you worry about that. I've got five kids. I, I don't want to set a bad example and I don't want to fry my kids based on the example I set. And it was so interesting because that study found the number of hours is almost irrelevant. It's mm. how you feel about those hours. It's how you feel about the job. And you could have a part-time job that you hate and you're, you're setting an example for what it's like to be a miserable adult for your kids. Yeah. And you can have, you know, a crazy hectic lifestyle, but when you come home tired, but satisfied 
you know, just deeply feeling like I just did something awesome. Yeah, they're really excited to see you. And yes, you do need to be really present. You can't be all about work. They need to be the most important thing in your world when you walk in the door. But um, it was just interesting that they did not find that ours correlates to negative impact on kids much as uh, people not liking what they do or not having a reason to do it. Interesting. I'm surprised by that because I I think I feel like I've heard a lot that, you know, the most important thing for the connection between parent and kids or that what kids want for the most part is time yeah. with their parents, right? But maybe that could be amended to say, you know, a quality time, right? Where like the parent is showing some type of love or support because, you know, pe- kids want to feel loved. People want to feel loved. Maybe if, and, and if you're miserable in your job and your work, we know people often bring that home with them. And unfortunately bring that misery with them and and maybe treat their spouse and kids worse as a result of feeling drained or even abused in the job that they're in. Yep. Yeah. There no doubt there are bounds to this. You can't be gone a hundred hours a week and your kids are like, Oh, you're just the best. You know, like I don't know you. (laughs) I love that. You're never here. (laughs) Yeah. You're never here. But there's, there's definitely something to that. And, And we just know, you know, like, I, I think Sunday night is the greatest barometer of a company's culture. Hmm. So what is the conversation happening among our employees and their loved ones, whether it's their spouses or significant others or kids or whatever, you know, is, uh, is that a positive conversation? If it's, if it is negative, it's not all rosy all the time, but is it negative because you're doing something really hard or is it doing, is it negative about the people you work with? And man, that just fries people. Yeah. So, Absolutely. Anyway, that kind of ties into I think, the topic of what it we're does tie into our topic today of leadership, right? And how leaders can have an impact. And uh, before I go any further, I want to just mention that the expert that I was trying to think of, looked back, was Leah Weiss. Leah Weiss, who is uh, a professor at Stanford Graduate School of Business, and she was on the podcast uh, back in July of 2021. So I think we had our session in the think tank uh, sometime after that. We were talking about this uh, topic yes. of burnout. And yeah, you're right. That is, that is well connected because I think another big impact or influence of how people feel about the work they're doing is the manager they work for, the leader they work for, and how that leader is treating them, right? In fact, right before you and I got on for this recording, I was just finished. I was running a training session for a cohort at a tech company on owning your career. And we were talking about peak career experiences. And you know, I asked people to think back to a time where they really loved the work they were doing and what were the factors that played into that. And almost everybody said universally, it was the manager I worked for and how they treated me, right? How they challenged me, how the, you know, the environment they created that allowed me to do the type of work that I was doing. And we know that as much as I talk about owning your career, you know, from my book, Own Your Career and Your Life, as much as I talk about people need to own their careers and take responsibility, there's only so much you can do without getting support from your manager at work. In fact, you know, your manager has a huge impact and influence over the work you're doing and how you feel about that work. Right. Yeah. Your work, your health, your most significant relationships, you know, it, it's just, it is a huge impact on your life. And for many people, their boss has the most influence of anyone in their life. It's on par with having a spouse. It's on par with a you know partner, a loved one, a parent. It's just crazy. I mean, it's a huge responsibility, but it's yeah. also just a huge opportunity. And I think a lot there's a lot of people just confused. Like, well, what is the magic? How do I become that great, charismatic yeah. picture of a leader? 
And I've been really relieved over the years to learn more about, the more I learn about leadership development, the more I realize, wow, it's, it's surprisingly simple because there are some things that make us all the same. And that's that we all want to feel cared for and we all want to be successful. And if we just remember that, that mm. that's what everyone, you know, who you lead is thinking and feeling, then how can I positively contribute to that? But yeah, whenever we start leadership development programs, typically start with some sort of survey or activity, have them imagine that, you know, the best person they've ever worked for, name that person, write it down, and then start describing the person using adjectives. Mm. And, you know, if we do that with sticky notes and we say, okay, one characteristic per sticky note now up on the wall, go put them into these categories of what it is that, uh, you know, that that person had developed or what was it that they did that made them the best manager. There's always a sticky note under every bucket, whether it's ex their experience, their knowledge, but the one that just overflows is their emotional intelligence or mm. how they treated people, how they made you feel. And, you know, th that's why any leadership program that starts out talking about management skills and diving into spreadsheets, I, I, Ooh, I, I get really nervous because I'm like, boy, either you've got really sophisticated leaders who understand their role and they've got the psychology figured out. And now you're into the fine tuning details of like, ooh, and how to be effective at financial skills, or you're completely missing the boat. Mm. Well, this is a great segue. You're already going there. I was going to ask you or start by asking you sort of a broad question, which is what does greater great leadership look like today? What are some of the, you know, defining characteristics or factors? that set the great leaders apart from the not so great leaders in today's working world. Yeah. Well, there's so many, there's so many things to cite. I, I can give you my personal opinion, but I think it's important to hear, you know, what others say. And, and when I do those workshops, you know, I can tell you the greatest leaders were the people who made them feel important that gave them the blend of both the personal support that they needed for safety and the professional challenge, and sometimes it's even personal challenge, if I'm honest, it's both support and challenge, hmm. but it has challenged them to get better and equip them to get better and set high expectations that were, that were mutually aligned. But at the end of the day, I think it is something even simpler. And that is that the greatest leaders are for their people. They want more hmm. for their people than from them. And that's I think a great question in any situation, particularly a crisis, you know, if, if I'm under stress, if I've got too many things going on, is just to check your own intent. Am I walking into this meeting, this conversation, wanting more from this person or for them? Hmm. And I mean, I think that's one of the hardest things about effective leadership is it it's putting yourself second. You know, it's not about you. It's not about the leader. Yeah. Great leaders are about helping their people achieve. Yep. Anyway, it, you know, it, it sounds yeah. simple. It kind of is simple. It's hard. It's simple, but, but, it's, it's, it's simple, simple. but it's hard. It's not easy, right? Yeah, I think about that a lot. I, I think I mentioned to you before we started recording and I'm in the middle of writing my next book, which is all about modern leadership. And I was going to do this interview so I could steal all of your, your insights. But it comes from interviewing and talking to so many people and, and finding what's working out there. And, and I often think, Leadership is about enabling and empowering others to succeed, which sounds great and sounds simple. But as you said, it kind of involves putting other people's interests ahead of your own, which is hard for people to do. It's it's really hard. And it's, it's all about the ego, right? And how do you put your ego aside and trust that if I put others' interests ahead of mine, it's still going to work out well for me, right? Because we right. are 
you know, there's a, a something psychological in us that drives us to take care of ourselves, right? Survival. And to put other everyone's other interests ahead of ours, which we often do as parents, right? But to do it in the workplace is a whole different beast. And it doesn't come naturally to some people. Yeah. Well, and I think it's interesting you mentioned parenting, and it's not fair to use parenting as a leadership model for so many people who aren't parents, you right. know, and it's not relevant. And your team members are not your kids. Uh, I understand there's a very big difference. I can only say for me, parenting yeah. was a radical experience to help me change how I think about leadership was realizing like, wow, I need to take care of these kids' welfare, even if it means doing things I don't necessarily feel like doing at the moment. And, you know, it's bringing words like love into the workplace. I mean, love is totally normal for a parent to feel towards a child, but the unconditional love of another human being and be willing to sacrifice for them. Well, that's actually what great leadership looks like too is having conversations, having meetings, spending time, spending money, doing things that don't necessarily align to what you feel like or want to or are good at, mm. but it's aligned to what people need from you. And, you know, there are many, many models. And I think there's virtue in most of the leadership models I know about. But it was actually my previous employer, Jackson Healthcare, where they, they really set out to help people understand and model situational leadership. And just the name of it, made me cringe a little bit like, oh, your leadership depends on the situation. Right. Well, yes, actually, it, because what what they what they helped me understand was your leadership is simply what you say and do. It's mm -hmm. not your intent. Mm -hmm. And what you say and do depends on what people need from you in any given situation. And in a crisis, they might need more direction. Mm -hmm. And in a, a situation where somebody really knows what to do, but they've lost their confidence. They need a coaching conversation, but not every conversation that a leader has should be a coaching conversation. Mm -hmm. In fact, often we overlead. There's many, many people who just don't need their leader so much anymore. They're very competent and they're very right. motivated. And I just need you to get out of my way. Yep. And that was profound because it helped me understand like, oh, there's all kinds of different ways to show up. But leadership is the choice. Of how do I show up based on what someone needs from me? Yeah. And can you focus on what they need and, and less on what you need? in a situation. Now, you also have needs. The organization has needs. I think it's important to connect back to there is a bigger goal generally of, hey, we have an objective of doing these jobs that will help us grow revenue or reduce costs or you know, increase engagement or retention, whatever the KPIs are, you know, the 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 metrics that we're going for. Because it's not just about like, oh, can we help people in their careers and make them feel good? But in theory, that's going to also drive more better results for the organization. And in fact, you know, to take it back, I know you talk about leaders being people first and high performance, you know, in a high performance culture. So it's mm -hmm. not just about the people, right? There is performance involved as well. Totally. Yeah. And that's where I think ultimately some people can misunderstand that, you know, they can think, oh, I don't care about the leader. I'm saying it's all about the people. So I'm compromising leaders. It's like, well, no, the leader's being led by someone. And that's why, you know, ultimately leadership starts at the very top of an organization. And then CEOs need a strong board and they need mentors and coaches as well. But anyway, yeah, it's it's easy to say this sounds soft and it sounds like you're almost missing the point. You know, what is the point of the organization? And if it's to maximize shareholder returns or results yeah. or whatever, well, I would still then challenge why. If an organization doesn't have a purpose beyond making money, 
it's going to have a really hard time sustaining the full engagement of its people. And again, that's where it gets back to purpose. But even even when you really lean all the way into your your person who works for you and you say, you know what, I want you to love your job and I want you to love your life. Mm -hmm. And the worst thing that's going to happen is you inspire that person to quit. Because they just realize, wow, I love my life so much, I don't want to work for you, or I, I want to do something different. <laughs> right. And I try to tell leaders, probably one of the most maybe controversial things I've I've been talking about in the last year, and maybe it's a little contradictory, is stop trying to retain your people. Mm. So in a, in a time when the war for talent has grabbed tons of headlines, and it will continue to, you know, it's a demographic cycle, not an economic cycle. It's going to be around for the next career, the next 20, 30 years minimum, because of our demographic trends, there is such an inclination to believe we have to retain our people. And that sort of, that mindset may cause you to do things that will ironically drive them away. Mm. Because holding on to people for the benefit of the company will become apparent. You know, you will at some point make a decision to say, no, I can't lose you. As opposed to trying to grow people, you know, so say, stop retaining, focus on growth. Um, if you're growing your people, ironically, it's cheaper, the economics are better for the company, and they're less likely to leave when they really believe, wow, my manager is really invested in my best interests and trusts that the work will get done and trusts that I'll either stay and grow and do a better and better job or if I do leave and they celebrate me on the way out the door, which is another thing great organizations do, right. that I will become a benefactor of the company. I will evangelize for this organization and this leader probably for the rest of my career, which is a great thing for drawing talent to the organization. When you find mm -hmm. out, oh my gosh, Andy used to work there. That must be a great company because he grew on, you know, grew to do other great things. Mm -hmm. But the flip side is I try to hold on to him, even if I say people are our greatest asset. When they quit, if I treat them like they have no value, yeah, you're dead you to me. Exit now. that person. You're making a huge mistake mm. because that person now is going to blow up your brand, blow up your company, blow up your reputation for the rest of their career. I just think, wow, yeah, such simple ideas, but we really we often get that wrong, you know? Yeah, I think that's that's really important. I haven't heard someone say that before. Obviously, like we talk about retention all the time, retaining our best people especially during the times where this quote unquote war for talent is really flaring up. And what I'm hearing you say is instead of focusing on retention, focus on helping your people grow and essentially give them reasons to want to stay, but you're not holding them hostage. You're not like just trying to keep them no matter what you're saying like, Hey, look at this amazing organization. Look at the stuff we're going on. We're focused on growing you. And if you leave, that's fine. We hope you stay. But if you, if you leave, we wish you well. We want to help you develop skills that will serve you well in the long term. And one thing that I think about a lot that I think most leaders don't consider, which is the long term of this, and really what I think of as legacy, is that when you help set people up for future success and develop them, even if they move on to other things, they will remember you forever. They never forget you. And that is your legacy as a leader. Right. And that legacy has economic value. I think it has eternal value, but you know, it just... It, it depends on perhaps what your perspective is, but that's that's where, boy, even if you're just a purely bottom line results, I'm just focused on profitability, margins, contribution, EBITDA, whatever, and say, okay, then you should really care about your people. 
because the more they feel cared for, the more they lean into their work. You should really know what fires them up, understand their values, their purpose. That drives engagement. You should really be thinking about what do they need to be equipped to be successful. And that's if you're the most selfish person on the planet. All you want is their output. Well, mm -hmm. love them like a person and you'll probably get more. But I think the other thing is that actually it feels really good. I mean, it feels great to make a real contribution to the growth of the person yeah. and have them thank you for it and have them maybe become your next client. I mean, I think that's the coolest thing when somebody leaves and then they they develop a very different kind of relationship. They might even become a mentor. I mean, you might grow somebody, they grow right past you. Mm. That's fine too. But boy, when you treat them like a disposable unit of work, a human resource, if you will, and suddenly that human resource has no value. So you exchange it out, put in a new one. Yeah. Man, the 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 nonstop destruction that, that happens in the wake of that. Uh I was giving a talk on this, uh, Andy, in our own team one day, and we were in a small focus group, and, and we were talking about this very topic. And somebody said, you know, I know this is true because I know I will never, ever buy a blank. And so she was referring to a consumer good that was sold at big box retailers, but she's like, mm -hmm. I won't buy anything from that company based on how they treated my dad. And so it doesn't even stop when that person retires. It doesn't stop when that person right. dies. It doesn't stop. You, you create yeah. people who will unfortunately probably blow you up forever. Yeah, right. That's that's the legacy and the reputation that you're building. Now, I want to make sure that I think most people understand this, that we're not just talking about, you know, to be a great leader, treat people really well, be kind to them, uh, you know, make it easy for them to come to work and, and do great work. Like all that's part of it. And things like accountability, feedback, and challenging them is an that's important right. part of that as well. Huge. Yeah. And we've had some discussion inside our company as we've grown. We've, we've grown through a lot of acquisitions, about 100 acquisitions in the last few years. Hmm. Hundreds and hundreds of new employees have joined. And anyway, you know, people have wondered, has our culture shifted? Because it seems like we're, we're spending more time having process conversations. We're having more time, spending more time having systems conversations. We're having uh, conversations about reporting and metrics and dashboards. And Anyway, made for a really interesting conversation. Is people first inconsistent with high performance? Are they on a spectrum? And I I hadn't really ever drawn it on a piece of paper or thought that hard about it, but that conversation led me to, and it's led me to put just a little, you know, two by two matrix together is people first is one dimension. High performance is a different dimension. It's an X and a Y. And we want to be high, high. Mm -hmm. And that's what we need as people. You know, I need to feel safe more than anything else. And as long as I feel safe, I will be willing to have conversations I wouldn't otherwise. I'd be willing to try things I wouldn't otherwise. I will push myself in ways I wouldn't otherwise mm. because I know people have my back. And then it also creates a safe place to be challenged. And nobody achieves their potential on accident. Uh, you know, That's nobody right. just needs to be challenged. Like, They've got to get out of their comfort zone and be doing new things. Yes. Yep. I never wake up and think, gosh, I'm just killing it. I have no idea how I got here. I'm just doing such a great job. You are doing a great job, Travis. I have no idea what you're doing at work, but I'm sure it's great. Uh, when I'm around you, I'm always impressed. But I'm imagining, I really like this, this matrix. I'm imagining it because when you have a, a culture that is all about performance 
and not necessarily about treating people well. And of course, we've most of us have worked in organizations like that. We're familiar with organizations like that, where you've got a leader that's just all about driving results, doesn't care about anything else. Oftentimes, you know, private equity has a reputation when they take over organizations for, for being like that. Eventually, people burn out, they don't feel appreciated, and they leave, right? But the flip side is when you have an organization that's all about people first, but no performance or accountability, people maybe enjoy working there for a while, but at the end of the day, the number one thing people really want in their career is to grow and they're not getting that growth or they don't feel like they're part of something that's going anywhere. And so eventually right. they get bored or you know lower their performance or leave. So you really need the combination of those things, people first and high performance to really drive growth for individuals that leads to more engagement and retention and higher performance for everybody. Amen. Well said. <laughs> Thank you. So I guess the, the question would be for, you know, a lot of people, our audience, of course, is, is talent development professionals like yourself, is how do we get there? How do we develop our leaders so that they're able to put their ego aside and focus on others, right? And enabling and empowering yes. their leaders, be people first, and also be able to connect that back to accountability and performance to really challenge their people to develop and grow. Absolutely. And, and, you know, I'm sure most of the audience is probably already thinking, hey, Andy, I, I do this for a living. I get it. Now that I know what skills and behaviors I need, I know I can build effective programs to help develop those. But you you, you got to break it down and say, you know, what's required to support someone? And more than anything, it requires that you lead yourself well. It, you know, you need to show that actually you are self-aware, that you're not judging someone, but you realize like, we're all a mess. We all need the same thing. And I'm going to start by trying to lead myself. Well, I'm going to start by trying to figure out how do I show up? And so first you figure out, you know, we, we all have to figure out me and that's how we're wired. That's what our tendencies are. That's where our strengths are. That's where maybe we, we don't see some things quite as clearly and we get feedback and 360 and assessed. And then at the end of the day, I mean, some of this is a ground game. It's realizing, wow, all my people are different. So I need to get to know them. And I need to know what, you know, Sharon needs to see and hear from me to feel supported. Mm. Or what Roberto needs to see and hear from me to feel supported. And then I've got to figure out how do I develop those skills and behaviors. And what I think is so interesting, and this is where it sometimes kind of smacks a little bit, like rubs some people the wrong way is are you manipulating Sharon or Roberto? No, like I'm, I'm recognizing, wow, you're someone who is maybe more direct than I am. I need to learn to speak more directly. You're someone who's less direct than I am. I need to learn to slow my roll. I need to learn how to ask how you're doing. Is that manipulating? No, I mean, because you also need to figure out how to care about how they're doing. And that's why I think leading self is always a key part of developing your, your leadership. But anyway, I, you know, I do think there are a finite and specific set of things that we can do that help us show up more supportive. And I, I credit a lot of what I've learned in this space to Jeremy Kubitschek and Steve Cockrum. They captured a lot of these thoughts in their book, The 100X Leader. And the idea is, you know, how to be 100% whole and healthy and multiply. But one of the things they would say is the first thing you have to do is start with supporting. You've got to make it safe. And then you sort of earn the right or the ability to challenge somebody. And, and that is just a whole different set of math. You know, that's like figuring out like, how does somebody feel challenged? I think there is a through line in all of this though, that I often talk about if you're trying to grow your people, 
is how do you elevate clarity? And when there is a lack of clarity, you know, the, the gaps get filled in with people's insecurities. Is I think you don't like me because I'm not clear what you meant by what you said. I think I'm in trouble because I'm not sure based on the feedback you gave, if you still want me on this team. And so that's where there's some more leading self, but some more skills around effective communication. And that's why it's a journey. You know, there, there just isn't any uh, weekend retreat you go to and you come out like, oh, now I'm a great leader. Yep. It's, it's figuring out yeah, how to you can pick up this. skills that will help you. But, but speaking of the retreat, and then not everybody's going to go this, this route or direction, especially in the corporate world. What I'm hearing is that the foundation for great leadership is in self-awareness and self-leadership, self-direction. Are you figuring these things out for yourself, how you're showing up for yourself, and therefore, how are you showing up for others? And then if you are secure in yourself, can you create more psychological safety for the people on your team so that you can create more trust? Can you elevate you know, clarity, be more transparent with the work you're doing and the things you need so that people feel less insecure about the directions and, and they don't take things in a place that they don't need to. Yes. And that's where I think there is so much great work to do on leading self. Some of this is conscious, you know, as I do need to be more conscious of the words I'm using. I do need to be more conscious of the timing or, or maybe someone, how I'm wired versus how somebody else is wired. But Andy, this is where I think it does go really deep is ultimately leading yourself is really inspecting your whole life. And this is where I think work and life blend, you know, inextricably together. I, I like using the iceberg as an analogy here, because I think that the more people and work responsibilities you have, the, the, the stuff above the waterline that people can see, the more you need a bigger base of how you're leading yourself in your life. And sometimes those are unconscious is, is realizing like, wow, I'm, I'm not sleeping well. Mm. I'm not talking to myself with a positive voice. I'm not exercising and my self image is going down the tubes. And so we're not always conscious of it, but how quickly we react to things, how we're relating, how we're brainstorming, how we're showing up. So much of that stems from how do you feel about yourself and you know, yeah. how, how truly healthy are you? Yeah. So it, so it starts with self-reflection and self-awareness, self-leadership. And then moving into, okay, how do you lead and support others? There's so much more we can go into with this. And uh, I'm, I'm fascinated by this topic. I think that idea of self-reflection and awareness is one of the biggest things that's missing for most corporate professionals, leaders, individual contributors, everybody. It's just we're, we're in reaction mode all the time. We're not really taking time just to reflect on who we are, what's working, what's not working, seek feedback in the right places and, and look to grow as people, right? Personal development has been huge for me over the last few years. And I just want so much of that for other people as well, which is why I'm always kind of beating the drum on that. And it sounds like you're saying that's a an important foundation for people who want to become better leaders. That's right. Yep. Totally agree. And I and I know you've lived it. You know, I know you've you've been through health challenges, you've been mm -hmm. through work challenges, you've been mm -hmm. through family challenges, all those things. And they've showed up in your relationships as much as you're trying to just do a great job. You know, it's like, Ooh, do a great job. And you've got both hands tied behind your back and you're, you know, limping. Uh, that's mm -hmm. it's so, so much easier to show up truly for another person when your own needs are met. And that's where, again, it sounds trite, but it's going back to things that are so simple. Like you can't pour out of your cup, what isn't in it. You know, you can't give away what you don't have. Yeah. There's so much more we could say about personal development and leadership development. I want to connect this back to the organization before we wrap things up. 
Do you think that the company having a mission, a vision, values, all that sort of stuff, is that still relevant today? Is that relevant for motivating people to do great work or leaders to do great work? Yes. Yeah. In a word, absolutely. In in a in an exclamation point, like absolutely. Like it's huge because people still want to be part of something bigger than themselves. Like people, we're, we're wired to want to grow, to want to have an impact, to benefit the lives of other people, even if we don't know it. Like that's what I think is so interesting. You know, even if you're not sure what happiness looks like, get in service of another human being and happiness will just show up. The biggest caveats I would say though, around the mission, vision, value stuff is when it's missing an S, I I often say MVVS, mission, vision, values, and strategy. Mm. Because having just a generic mission, a generic vision, a bunch of values, like let's just pile them all on and say, we want a better world. We want to be the best company and we value all things that are good. I have no idea what you're about. I have no idea what to do. I have no idea what to say no to. And I'm going to come to your company, especially if I'm a, you know, a sold out, all in servant, and I'm going to kill myself trying to do all things for everyone all the time. And that's where I think the S matters. You know, the essence of strategy is choice. And I don't think you have a compelling mission, vision, values, and strategy until it's clearly somehow different from other organizations. It doesn't have to be that every piece is totally unique and nobody's never, ever thought of that before, but like you need to be for something more than making money. You've got to somehow make the the people or the the world they live in a better place, or I don't know that you've got a really meaningful mission. Mm. The vision's got to somehow clarify where are we going? I do think values are extremely important because we all need guidance in our behavior. We all need a mirror and accountability and some clarity, yeah. but the strategy is, essential because we just can't do it all. And I think that's one of the biggest challenges facing all of us right now is the constant state of overwhelm. We're just in a world that has too much opportunity. You know, there's Mm -hmm. just too much work to be done. So anyway, I feel like in in our leadership team, we're having these conversations right now. It's very timely. Is saying, you know, does everybody understand our strategy? Yeah. It's not even, uh, agree about the overwhelm. It's not even just too much work to be done. It's too many things that can be done, right? Because even when you leave work and you go home, what can you do, right? You can watch TV, you can scroll social media, you can do more work, you could go outside for a walk, you could, there's just a million things you could do more than ever, right? Yep. Options than before, what, you'd, what do you choose to do? And I always think that comes down to what are your priorities? What are your values? What is it you want to achieve? And if you don't have clarity on that, then you're just reacting to things all the time because you won't be able to be intentional about the things that, you know, how you spend your time. Yep. Yep. And I tell you, the one thing I do think that tactically can be done and applies to all businesses with all missions and visions and values and all people is probably one of the areas that I'm leaning into the most this year with leadership development is, is helping our leaders create margin. And that's one of the ironies is, you know, like one of the most important things you need to do every two hours is a couple minutes of nothing. One of the Hmm. most important things you need to do every day is a little bit of nothing. And and absolutely throughout the year, you know, I really believe strongly people every quarter, every three to four months, they need some kind of reset and it's not go on vacation and do a hundred other things. It's actually space to just do nothing. Like breathe, close your eyes, reflect. Anyway, so I, I just think that's part of the secret sauce as, as we uh, as we kind of talk about what makes an effective leader. 
Yeah. Last question, Travis, just for people working in talent development, learning and development who are nodding their heads and, you know, through this conversation thinking like, yeah, I, I resonate with all of this. Like we definitely need to do a better job of, of supporting our leaders and creating margin and, and getting to know themselves and really focusing on developing others. What's one thing, the first step for people that are they're trying to figure out how to improve this in their organizations to help their leaders become better? There are so many first steps, Andy, but I'm thinking that the one thing that this is cultural and the one thing I believe about culture is it's really, really hard to push up an organization. Hmm. And so I think if you're fired up about this, have the conversation with your boss. If your boss is fired up about this, have the conversation with their boss. But at some point, is this important enough that your CEO, your executive director, depends on what kind of business you're in. But if you're in some kind of organization, is whoever is leading the charge, do they really believe this, that people need to be whole and healthy to be effective? And if they do, that, that's the place to start is get that person on board as your champion for saying, we need to help people live a better life while they're doing all this work. And uh, I, I'm so grateful that we have that. Our, our CEO is spectacular and he is he's doing his best. You know, he, He's growing a huge organization, but he's really trying to do the best to say, I need to be living my best life to show my leaders what it's like and learn how to say no and take care of your, your family and yourself. Excellent. I love that. So much more we could talk about here, but we got to wrap it up. Maybe we'll do another conversation in the future. I'm sure we'll do more sessions in the future inside the Talent Development Think Tank community, where you've been a member for, for many years now and uh, a regular okay. contributor to our conversations and, and running sessions. I hope we can do one soon on leadership. But until then, just want to say thank you again for coming on. Really appreciate you, Travis. And I look forward to talking with you more soon. Thanks, Andy. Awesome. Appreciate it. All right, that will do it for my interview with Travis Dahmert about developing leaders to build a people-first, high-performance culture as a strategy for winning the war for talent. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. I hope you got value from it. I definitely did. As I think I may mention in that conversation, I'm working on a new book right now about what modern leadership looks like and what it takes to be a great leader in today's modern world. And I wouldn't be able to write that book if I didn't have the opportunity to learn from so many great experts like Travis and all the other many, many great experts that we've had on this show. Uh, I love what he talks about with may, helping leaders become more people first and really focusing on others and less on themselves, as well as challenging people and holding them accountable and understanding the business and what the business needs as well. I love what he talks about connecting to purpose, both personal purpose, as well as organizational mission, vision, values, and purpose, and connecting that to strategy as well, because without a greater purpose or a strategy, then none of it really makes sense. And I love what he talked about with the importance of creating psychological safety and trust that you can really start challenging people, put their needs ahead of your own, but also challenge them to get out of their comfort zone and connect things back to the work that needs to be done for the organization, as well as hold people accountable. And I think you're going to enjoy the encore conversation that we have in our bonus Q&A, which is coming out in just a couple of days. I want to remind you as well, as I mentioned at the top, Travis is a longtime member of our Talent Development Think Tank membership community, and he still continues to join and lead some of our calls in that community. And I've asked him to run another session in the near future to cover this topic of developing leaders and creating this people-first, high-performance culture. So if that's something you're interested in learning more about and you're not yet a member, come check us out. As I record this, we are still running a free trial where you can come join the community 
and check it out for 14 days without being charged and see if it's a fit for you. And if you love it, then stay. And if for some reason you feel like it's not valuable for you, then you can quit and uh, it won't cost you a dime. So this is something we haven't done very often. We haven't done for a while. And I'm excited that it's creating an opportunity for more people to come in and check us out because I know once you do see what the community is all about, what we're doing, all the recordings in there, the great calls that we have in our awesome Slack channel, and not to mention, of course, the awesome people that we have in there, that you'll see the value and you'll want to stay. So all the information is on our website, talentdevelopmentthinktank.com. Just click on community. That's talentdevelopmentthinktank.com. Click on community. Thank you again for listening and, and stay tuned. Our next episode will be about Travis as well. It's our bonus Q&A where I'm going to ask him questions about his biggest accomplishment, uh, biggest failure, which is a really good one, as well as how his work has impacted his personal life. So make sure you check that out. Talk to you soon.